Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Need Some Introduction. This is our fourth episode, recap of Mayor of Easttown. If you haven't uh, caught up with the show, feel free to listen along. We have recaps and reviews for each episode. Or feel free to jump in whenever. If you'd like to reach out to me and request a recommendation or have an opinion on the show, please send your emails to needsomeintroduction at gmail.com needssomeintroduction at gmail.com or leave us a voice memo if you'd like go into your voice memos on your phone and then email it to the same address and we would love to include it in future episodes if you have a theory on what's going on in the show feel free to provide it make sure to subscribe to us whether you're listening to us on apple podcasts or on any podcatchers of your choice make sure you click the subscribe button and you'll get notified when we have new episodes on our main episode feed, in the same feed, I should say, our main episode, we've just done our first episode covering Prince's long career, and the second episode will be dropping this week. So keep an eye out for that. Without further delay, let's get into the episode. So what did you do for Mother's Day? Did you have a good Mother's Day? <laughs> um, it was very nice. Thank you. It was pretty low-key. We just relaxed. I got to have my coffee in bed, um, which happens, you know, I can count on one hand, I think, the amount of times that happens lately uh, in a year. I got some beautiful flowers, went and had some pizza with my mom, uh, got to spend some time just with Joel. We walked over to Bryant Park, had some ice cream. So uh, yeah, all in all, a pretty good day. How about you guys? Very nice. Uh, we went to sit down to see my sister, hung out with the nephews. That's Charlotte, nice. Charlotte doesn't get to see them as much as... Uh, as yeah, uh, I bet. But uh, yeah, so it was pretty low-key also, but but nice. All right, so I have a bit of trivia and then a correction from the last episode. So okay. my, my trivia is, and, and I want to call this out because we now have listeners in Pennsylvania. They just joined last week, was our first listeners in Pennsylvania. And they're actually Ooh. like... In multiple locations, we have Philly, you know, but also some other cities around Philly as well. So I want to call this out because they're probably thinking that we've made a, a, an error <laughs> in our uh, in my conversation. Anyway, I was go- taking it on a face value that the um, uh, what the writer had said about uh, basically um, the uh, uh, East Town being a fictional town, which it is. You know, it's a fictional town. He's made up this town. Right. However, yeah. I start. I was checking to make sure, am I spelling this right last week when I was posting the episode? And I started typing East Town and mm-hmm. a Google Wikipedia article I mean, comes up, East Town, Pennsylvania. So I click on it and it's an actual place in Pennsylvania called East Town, spe- spelled exactly the same way. Uh, it is not uh, an exurb of Philadelphia though. It's, it's like one county over the real uh, East Town. And uh, huh. I just read the Wikipedia article very quickly, but it also has like a very small, you know, demographically, it's not very diverse and uh, it's also pretty wealthy. So, okay. it, and by the way, it is the actual town or adjacent to the town where the author actually grew up. Right. So that, that's actually, that's the one weird thing about this. However, in the show, and they call this out in the Wikipedia article, by the way, in the show, it's fictional because it's not in the same location. It's actually one county oh, over. Oh, come on. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's one county over. And that county, of course, is the county that is adjacent to Philadelphia. And it is more racially diverse. And it is 
like more demographically correct in the fact that there is like a rural area, there is like a suburb area, and it's much more economically depressed than than the other one. So it's it's very confusing. That is confusing. Why not just make up a name that does exactly. not exist in Pennsylvania? That's very strange <laughs> decision making. But okay, <laughs> let's go with it. Exactly. <laughs> so I just wanted to call that out because you know, like going on saying this like fictional town of East Town, Pennsylvania, right. when there, yeah. there is an East Town, Pennsylvania, which probably does not look it's anything just not like this one. Exactly. Yeah. It probably does not. If you go there, it probably will not remind you of this uh, show at all. <laughs> And the mistake I made, by the way, you were correct and I was wrong in that. Oh, I, I love hearing people say that. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, I bet. But it was uh, my confusion. I was looking for music to put. I always go back and just rewatch after our conversations. I rewatch, not even to remember the plot. I rewatch to try to find musical cues because I try to put mm -hmm. music from the episode into the actual uh, podcast. And I was clicking around looking for music to put in there. And uh, I uh, found the scene where she's editing the documentary. And I had conflated it in my mind because there's a scene where she's editing the documentary in school. She gets like called yeah. away. And then there's another scene where she's in her room on the same computer. I guess it's just her laptop editing. And then she looks over at the sweatshirt. And then mm -hmm. we cut immediately to her inside the college yeah. returning the sweater. Yeah. And in my head, somehow I mushed that all together. So I was like, oh no, Sona was right. She was nowhere near, you know, I, was, I had put those two, <laughs> I had somehow put those two scenes together in my well, head. You know what, in your defense, I feel like they packed so much into these episodes yeah. that, you know, you and I talk after just one viewing, generally, mm -hmm. I think. I've only seen it once by the right. time we talk. Uh, and actually I haven't rewatched any of the episodes even after we talked. So I think it's very easy to uh, fill in little blanks because they've packed so much into yeah. a single episode that it's, it's kind of hard to keep track of all the little details. Yeah. And it, it, so especially with the last episode, and I'll give you my first impressions and I want to hear yours as well. My first impressions is this episode is packed with stuff, but I didn't mind it. it, it even though the tone shifts, I mean, there's a lot of comedy in it's this episode. It's a very different. It was the funniest one yet. Yes. For sure. <laughs> well, that competition is pretty slim. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? There there are a lot of um, little offhand comments yes. that are, are sarcastic or dark humor, which, you know, is totally up my alley, that kind mm -hmm. of humor. So I would say that there are definitely funny moments, but this is the funniest one yet. And I mean, it really like the physical comedy, right? Yeah. Of yes. Gene Smart. Slapstick, uh, straight up slapstick. Yeah. Getting slammed with that door <laughs> and right. the girl just screaming sorry and running past her. Right. Not right. even stopping to see if she's okay. I mean, this right. elderly woman, theoretically, right? Like laugh out loud funny. Yeah. And, and even though, like I said, tone shifts and everything else. Definitely a different feel yeah. than all the other episodes. I Absolutely. Agree. And in a good way, I think that they kind of found like they were able to put comedy and then shift to serious material. Like there's sequences here, a few that are straight up horror, right? And they were mm -hmm. able to balance those things out. And there's emotional scenes. There's a couple of scenes that I thought worked at an emotional level. And uh, it all worked. Last episode was so stuffed and felt like I was just having whiplash from scene to scene. And this one, you could argue, is even worse. But I, I, I didn't have any problems with it at all. And I guess we'll, we could dig into it in more detail. But, but give me your high-level impressions. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting to me that I had described the last episode as, you know, lots of character development. But I feel... Like this one had even more character development, mm -hmm, maybe mm -hmm. because they laid the groundwork last week, right. maybe so that yep. all of that initial stuff was out there and they were able to build on it. Um, 
So I kind of, because when I was thinking about what I was going to say, I kind of felt like, well, I said that last week, but do I, so I still think <laughs> right. that again this week, mm-hmm. but especially mm-hmm. because I agree with you that this episode had a completely different feel to it than all the other episodes. I think maybe, maybe it felt a little bit slower paced in some ways, but mm-hmm. a lot of things did happen. Right. Um, and one thing that I thought was interesting, high level is this ongoing theme of the opioid epidemic and how- yeah. It's, you know, affecting everybody's family relationships and the way that, you know, addiction has so many long lasting effects and so many tentacles in the way that it, you know, creeps into your entire life and all your relationships and how they're establishing that in so many different contexts here. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, I think it's emerged in this episode. It emerges as the unifying theory of what, like, you know, the, the theme, I should say, of all of right, these the things. Right. The underlying thing yep. that sets all of these things in motion. Yep, exactly. uh, <clears throat> you know, so I thought that was very interesting. I wanted to ask you also about, you know, we've been talking about the titles of these episodes. Oh, yeah. So this this one is a good one. Is yep. Poor Sisyphus, yes. uh, which, yeah. you know, what do you make of that? I mean, Sisyphus is one of the few Greek myths that I actually have retained since <laughs> right. high school right. because the, the imagery of it is so amazing, right? This guy right. is pushing this giant boulder up the hill every single moment of his life. And as soon right. as he gets to the top, it tumbles down and he's exactly. going to start all over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wasn't, it wasn't super clear to me the applicability here. I mean, certainly a lot of people are dealing with a lot of frustrating situations. Uh, what did you think about the name and how it applies here? I actually didn't mind the the title, although it's you know it's kind of you know they're they're trying a little hard, <laughs> it's a little try hard, but I I appreciated it because uh, you know like you said it is Sisyphus is probably one of the and just to be clear about it for anybody who doesn't know what Sisyphus is Sona exactly what Sona described Sisyphus is the character in the Greek myth that you probably know the story of even if you don't know the character's name which is the idea of like his punishment for life for eternity actually is to roll a giant boulder so it's an incredible amount of effort to roll something to the top of a hill just to watch it roll down the other side and then he has to go and push it back up again right and it's uh you know and and, and you know people probably can relate to that <laughs> in their day-to-day lives but i, I think that <laughs> and that is i think that's the point of that title right is this idea that um you know mayor maybe uh, or maybe you know, like you said, this this um, uh, the drug drug epidemic uh, makes everybody's life this way, right? Where it's this thing that it's like you know you try really really hard to whatever keep people from getting addicted or to solve this case, and there's just another one, right? It's like it's not like this is ever going to to end potentially, right? So it's a pretty grim title when you think of it from that context. Although the title, I, mean, I should say, the show, the episode itself is pretty uh, humane and uh, and has a lot of humanity to it, a lot of lightness to it here and there, which I really appreciated, actually. Yeah, like some other uh, just um, in in broad strokes, some bright strokes, <laughs> in broad strokes, some bright spots here, I thought, were yeah. uh, the continuing development of Mary's relationship with her mom, I thought yep. was really mm-hmm. nice that you see it's that her name is Marianne, by the way, Marianne. Right, also, Marianne. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to call that out because mom. when she yells at her, it says Marianne. I'm like, oh, yes. now we know what Mary's thing is. <laughs> exactly. Um, which is funny because I actually, I do have a friend named Marianne who goes by Mara at times. You see, it is that very um, type of mother-daughter relationship where you are annoying the life out of each other at times, but there's still that underlying love, right? After that right. Um, whole <laughs> slapstick accident, 
where she's kind of debating, does she really want me in the ambulance? Does she not want me in the ambulance with her? And, and the mom says, yes, come in the ambulance with her. <laughs> but but the, mom, the mom thinks about it for a second. She's like, hmm, <laughs> which is good. It's that, kind of indicative. It was a great line too. Sorry, I'm not maimed enough for you, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. Sorry, language. you're disappointed. I'm not right. more pain. Um, but the comedy, thought- the, the comedy comes even earlier. Uh, uh, the I think that you know after that, uh, you know that opening scene and like, oh, this is going to be her. I, I honestly felt like this is going to be her um, dealing like this dirgy, you know, miserable uh, experience of her, you know, being put on um, probation at work. And instead, we jump into like that. That segues directly into the family meeting, which is hilarious. <laughs> and I love the fact that she comes clean so fast, yes, right? Yes, because exactly. you could have seen the show taking another path where yep, she yep. does just find a place to disappear for eight hours a day right. or whatever. It she's is. like drinking all and, day or something miserable like that. Right. And this is like her dirty secret that she's keeping from everybody. So I really like right. the choice to just have her come clean immediately. Um, spelling out exactly what she done, especially because, you know, I think they did leave it a bit vague last week because you never really saw her plant the drugs. You saw right. that she had the drugs and then you saw the aftermath of that. So I like that they filled in the blank of that so cleanly as well. Yeah, and I, I agree. But it was a very funny scene. I agree yes. where she comes clean and they're all like, why are you so stupid? Yeah. <laughs> And they all have the like the same uh, thing we asked last yeah, week, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then the, the daughter comes clean. It's like, Mom, you got anything to say? <laughs> yes. And then there was the ice cream and the frozen yes. vegetables, right? Yeah. Which I mean, was like her big secret. Not much of a secret ice there. Cream? Is it still sitting in the bread I box? I mean, melting. Like, why yeah. didn't she just throw it back in the freezer? I, I was worried for what was going to happen. There. Like her hiding spot was so delicate that she couldn't. Yeah. Also kind of uh, broad strokes of, of characters. I am officially in love with the idea of Mara and Zabel hooking up. <laughs> oh, and I think the show is too, right? So I think that's definitely going to happen. Yeah, I mean, what a cute dynamic they have. And he's clearly yeah. so in awe of her and like so admiring. Um, and I, I just, I, it's so fun and sweet and charming to watch, I find. And it's so funny that I was, I, that's another call that I had here is that um, they never call him by his first name. And then I'm like, his first name is Colin. Thank you, mm-hmm. subtitles, because randomly yeah. you know, it says, it just says Zabel, Zabel, Zabel. And then it goes, Colin, <laughs> Colin Zabel. I'm like, okay, thank you for letting me. Nobody actually calls him by his first name, but now we know. And God knows it's hard enough to keep track of what anyone's name is on this exactly. show. So yeah. any assistance is appreciated. Um, and I like the way that she handled like, She's a woman of the world. She can have two dates for Saturday night. She hasn't decided which one she's going yeah, with yet, that, you know, when she's talking her, with her mom. And I liked that, her mom's reaction to that too. Like you see some of that fondness and affection that they have deep down, even when they're constantly uh, griping at each other. And that's also something I liked about the show, even with her just kind of like weighing out which date she wants to go on on Saturday. It just speaks to underlying the show that she, in a way, is kind of coming out of a funk, which mm-hmm. I appreciated because I really worried after that first episode or so. That this is going to be, you know, like that whole, once again, that, that terminology, that, that miserabilism, where I'm going to be like, do we just have to like slog through, you know, one miserable event after another for seven episodes, <laughs> you know, which I was really dreading, right? So it's like, you know, the show itself is kind of showing us some light. I mean, but there was okay. some of that here, right? Because that flashback that she had. Oh, that's like really sh- jarring, actually. Yeah, of her son and Kevin and my God, like your heart just breaks for her yeah. watching that and, you know, thinking you know, as a parent, the love you have for your child and seeing them in this situation and this kind of 
desperation and the hostility of it. And um, I mean, it was very painful to watch that scene, I felt. First of all, I found it really jarring to just jump back into that. Uh, and what I really like is it's something the show has done well, I think, so far, especially in this episode, where I like how it keeps complicating things. So it's very easy to see Mare as a very difficult character. It's very easy. Even last week, I was like saying, well, I sympathize with her, with the, um, you know, with, with the relationship with her grandson's uh, mother. Um, uh, you know, I sympathize where she's coming from, but, you know, she went too far. And obviously the mother needs to have a chance to redeem herself. But then you see that flashback and I'm like, honestly, it's like, why would you, uh, you know, you know, that is context for her relationship with this woman, right? So it, exactly. it's, it's hard to imagine having a unbiased view of this woman after having experiences like that. I also like the flashback that you see her a different version of herself, right? She's like made up. She has like her hair is lighter. So it's just, it's, it's a time in her life where she's, you know, doing mm -hmm. the day to day, keeping herself up, keeping herself doing the basic stuff where you see like that contrast between probably whatever that was two years ago, let's say. And now where, um, uh, you know, the grown out roots. Exactly. And, she's yeah. not mm -hmm. exactly. She's not even bothering with those things anymore. Right. right. <laughs> so um what's the next thing sequentially i have here um we already talked about the flashback sequence which i was going to talk about in the, the next thing i was going to talk about but the, before that is um uh the whole confrontation between uh um uh, uh zabel and uh deacon mark right about the, uh, now we know mm -hmm. what his uh original um charge against him was was about him having an inappropriate relationship with a 14 year old girl i mean this guy is like the definition of squirrely right yes. like yeah. I mean, I don't think he could be acting more suspicious if he tried. Um, and I also question, like, if this is the context in which he came to Easttown, why are they letting him have such close contact with other yeah. young girls? I he runs. He runs the youth group, right? He runs the youth group. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good question. Actually, <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. That's, yeah, that is problematic. Right. You think they would be like, okay, that's not going to be your wheelhouse. We're going to keep you with the grown-ups. Um, <laughs> The uh, next thing is a random thing, and I only called it out only because it was so jarring in watching the show, which was because I was taking notes as I was watching. So in that scene where he confronts uh, the priest, Father a Deacon, I should say Deacon Mark, when he gets confronted and he, put, he walks into his car, the, uh, it's pouring rain again. And I'm like, man, how much does it rain? Does it really rain this much in January in, in, in that part of the country? Possibly, you know, they're neighboring to us, so I, I should know more about this. But it doesn't, it doesn't seem like our type of weather at that time of year, right? And then as I'm saying, writing that down, like, wow, there's always a lot of rain in the show. They cut immediately to her uh, with Guy Pierce on this beautiful sunny day on campus. And I'm like, well, <laughs> how far, how far apart are these things? Happening? <laughs> Different weather zone. Uh, you know, and also and this is a complete nitpick that just has to do with logistics is that they've established all this is happening in January, yet the foliage is beautiful every yeah. time they're walking around. Yeah. Yeah. So clearly it was shot in autumn. So there's a, a lot of weird um, weather stuff happening that is discordant, I think, with what the storyline is supposed to be. With once again, they could have resolved by just changing the calendar date. I don't think how pressing it is that it's taking place in January, or maybe it will. Point. Who knows? Maybe yeah. it will. If it had been just one scene, I might have just been like, well, whatever, it's a one-off. But I feel like every week, I think like, wow, that foliage is gorgeous. So, yeah. <laughs> unless unless this is months later, possibly, right? Unless this thing's been dragging out for months. I guess, but, you know, I don't get that impression. Yeah, it seems pretty compact. I, mean, I agree. They're talking about how all these girls are just going missing, you know, one after the, all these girls, well, two girls have gone missing, you know, one after the other. And 
So yeah, the next thing I had on my list was the flashback and then, which we already discussed. Um, I don't know if you want to add something more about the flashback at all. I know. I mean, the only thing else in addition that I was thinking about it is, you know, I'm wondering how much of that side of addiction did the other people in her life witness? Because, you know, as I've mentioned before, they come down on her so hard for everything that happened with this kid. But you know, it seems like if people had seen stuff like this going on, they would be a little bit more sympathetic towards her than they are. So I wonder if on some level, you know, she was covering for him or, you know, not being completely, not giving full disclosure to the other people in his life about what was going on. Uh, just, just because, you know, they are also mean to her about it. And yeah, I don't understand yeah. why if you knew someone was going through this, you would be that cruel. Also, they, they you know, like her... The, what the, the 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 mother whose name I can't remember the mother of the the Helen grand, Helen that she had been so um oh, that's a little heartbreaking oh wait too. you mean Carrie sorry you mean I mean Carrie, Carrie. yeah yeah Drew's right. mom is Carrie yeah yeah that I felt like oh that that um uh, she's uh, you know she threw it in her face last week that you know he hated you and then we see him mm-hmm. say that to her again mm-hmm. but now you see the context of him saying that and it's yeah. like you know. It's like, why? Because she wasn't giving him money to go get high. I mean, I think that's right. the responsible thing to do, right? So, and it's, and if this woman is, once again, if this woman, you know, win over Mayor in some way to be more of a collaborative parent, uh, you know, like the idea of being like, well, you know what? When, when you wouldn't let your son get high, which led to his suicide, by the way, uh, potentially that, that, uh, you know, he hated you for that. It's like, okay, <laughs> for all the things I'm going to be hated for by my child. Yeah. You try, try to keep them alive is probably one yeah. that I'm not going to feel very good. And kind of a nice little victory for her that Drew wouldn't sleep over at his mom's yeah. house that he said he missed his turtle. Right. Um, Although it is sad. It is a, you know, the whole thing was, uh, you know. Yeah. And you see him doing the, the blinking that she's concerned about, yeah, you know, yeah. so they, they made a point of showing that at least twice that I noticed. Which is yet another thing that she has to worry about on top of everything mm-hmm. else. Then we see uh, Zabel at home with his mom. That was kind of, their dynamic is interesting. First of all, he's kind of a mama's boy, which, you know, maybe. Yeah, does he live there? Because I did not pick him as a guy that was living at home with his mom. Well, I, I kind of suspected he did, just given their dynamic. And he seems kind of like a mama's boy. And also him saying that this relationship just fell apart. So maybe that's where he's moved to. That's what I was thinking is that maybe after the engagement, it was kind of like a, a stopover until he figures out his next step. You know, I kind of picked him for a guy that would have like, you know, that suburban apartment complex, like a two floor apartment complex where, right. you know, that standard New Jersey suburban thing that we're used to, uh, you know, bachelor pad type of situation. That's what I was expecting to see. So the idea of him living with his mom really threw me. But uh, maybe he's got some other uh, complex and that's why he likes uh, Mayor. <laughs> Although Mayor's not old. <laughs> maybe. He may, just likes an authoritarian mo- a woman, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I mean, I love that, you know, talking yeah. about a bit of humor here, right? When she when she goes to his house and they open the door and the mom, uh, Zabel's mom says, oh, we were just talking about you. As if <laughs> they were- Same joke again, exactly. Yeah, yeah. last week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Isn't she talking about, isn't your partner crazy? Oh, hi, yeah, we were just exactly. talking about you. I heard she had a breakdown, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there was something weird about the dynamic and I, I, they're also, the show is definitely trying to show us that they're religious, right? So I think that is going yes, to tie I in agree. somehow. There's something there and I'm not sure mm-hmm. what it is yet. So. That they are introducing that idea. Uh, what else do I have? Oh, I had, I have that, that that they were drinking Yingling beer, which is like, yes, that is Pennsylvania very beer. Very Pennsylvania. It is very yeah. stereotypical. I mean, you guys could have dug a little bit deeper and just been like, well, what's the most common Pennsylvania beer? Okay, we'll just go with Yingling. Well, and they've um, established the, the Wawa coffee too, right? Yes, which is also yes. very Pennsylvania. So 
they, they definitely point out a bunch of times that she's offering a $15,000 reward right. for finding Katie. And here, this guy's asking for $5,000, which just seems like a strategic misstep, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah exactly. Good point. The, 15, good point. The, tip, <laughs> the tip to the police would probably get him the $15,000, right? So it's probably, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, or at least, you know, if she's willing to pay $15,000 in the context of finding her through the police, she's probably willing to pay $15,000 on her own if she can exactly. find this yeah, there was a lot, uh, speaking of the, the horror movie elements that you mentioned yeah. earlier, my God, like watching this woman walk into this barn in the pitch black, yep. uh, and, and this poor lady is going through radiation and chemotherapy. Um, gosh, that was so stressful for me. Yeah, so the sequence where they go out to the barn is, uh, yeah, is definitely one of those horror movie elements. And uh, it is uh, unfortunate, right, the way she has to like now go back and tell her, you know, friend or best friend, I assume, from the mm-hmm. relationship, uh, you know, that you know, not, not tell her anything, right? She keeps it to herself. But it's very right. sad that she's basically, you know, in one conversation with her saying like, oh, why do you let him live here again? And then in a way, she can kind of throw him under the bus and she doesn't. Again, once uh, one of those things where people kind of acknowledge the, the complexity and messiness of their lives without, you know, which I thought was a good touch, actually. Right? And the things you do for your family, right, yeah. in order to yeah. try and protect them on both sides, you know, uh, you know, her friend is saying like, well, if I'm not going to be here to to know that the brother comes home every night and is still alive, then then what's going to happen if not, you know? And then meanwhile, Dawn is, I, I mean, walking into a horror movie scenario and actually heading to the basement, theoretically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she can't even find the basement. I love that. Like who, you know, Freddie, it turns out, like, you know, was, uh, you know, scouting this place out, uh, probably just like, randomly saying like just you know go three miles it's like something that he could probably get to by a bus or whatever he however he or his you know sister's car or whatever, however he got out there and uh you know basically he's just throwing giving her arbitrary um <laughs> instructions because she gets there and it's like basement this is like a this is like a, a abandoned uh horse farm <laughs> yeah and the fact that she's willing to to do this right because yeah. it all for the love of her daughter and trying to find her she should have told somebody though, like, you know, like she should have at least like given some, you know, even if it's not the police, like, you know, give somebody a heads up. But anyway, maybe she left a note at home. If I don't maybe. return, this is yeah. where I was going. Maybe. <laughs> if I'm we dead, this is what I was Fill that in, fill it exactly. between the lines there. <laughs> right, right. But I guess you'd have to go, I mean, you'd have to try to find out, right? But once again, like you said, I hadn't even thought about that, but that's an excellent point you made that it's like, you know, however she's going to raise the $15,000, I'm pretty sure that if somebody, you know, the, even if this is a bad person and makes an anonymous tip and says, here's where the, the girl is and uh, there's a reward, you know, even if she doesn't have that money, which she probably didn't, I'm sure like, a, you know, the, the town itself would raise the money to, to cover. Right. The, you know, the, right. So, yeah, like you said, a total miscalculation. And, and you know, once again, considering it's Freddie, I'm sure he's not making these decisions. Exactly. He's just trying to get his next fix or whatever. Exactly. Um, very clever of her, though, to yes. just, you know, cut up some paper and in dollar size amounts because uh, I wasn't sure what she was going to do there. So I thought that was a smart solution. But now Freddie has the gun too, which is problematic. Right? Yes. Good point. Oh, and then of course we get to uh, the um, uh, <laughs> the big slapstick moment in the show, which I honestly didn't know which direction. Once again, I, I'm, I'm kind of on my toes, like trying to say like, what's the tone going to be here? And is this going to be a total fiasco? And it turns out to be like very light and very funny, the whole situation with the uh, you know, her ex-girlfriend crashing in the basement and then yes. them, them showing up, making out, and she sees them and freaks out. And then, of course, the grandmother responds, she's going like, oh, no, what did I do? I shouldn't have let her in the house. Yes. He runs downstairs and they like collide. And like you said, there's a lot of character dynamics that are funny, not only like kind of seeing the relationship between the younger girls, 
but also seeing Mare and her mother, like you said, where she goes, you called me here for a paper cut? Like, yeah. <laughs> like she just got smashed in the head. Yeah. And then yeah. they're saying like, no, she was like, you know, she's demented. She couldn't remember like some basic facts. And she's like, what else is new? It's like, thanks a lot, Mare. Very sympathetic to your, towards, towards your mom. But you know, the mom, uh, Helen was spot on with Siobhan, right? As soon as she says that she broke up with Becca, the first thing she says is, did you meet somebody else? And yeah. Siobhan kind of tries to play it off either because she doesn't want to talk about it with them or and they weren't officially dating either right i mean at that point they weren't actually whatever but nonetheless it does seem like the catalyst for her breaking up was this other girl right right and also her you know once again overdosing on on, on edibles (laughs) (laughs) maybe she just got tired of that (laughs) and she thought there might be other options (laughs) As much as I did appreciate the comedy of that moment, though, I still am kind of feeling we're spending a disproportionate amount of time on Siobhan and her life. So I am wondering whether this is all going to lead us to something or it's a situation where, uh, did you watch that season of Homeland where we spent an inordinate amount of time? On Dana? <laughs> yes, yes. At the Dana season, yes, yes, I did. Yeah, so if it's just going to be a situation like that, where it's like, you know, I didn't, I, I just wasn't watching this for insight into the life of a teenage girl in this way. <laughs> I think the difference there, I think I think it's more likely that, well, there's one, I have two theories. One is that, you know, uh, you know, the clumsy theory is that this is somehow going to tie into the murder mystery. The less clumsy theory, and what kind of what I hope is happening, especially considering the tone shift here, is that the story will open up and be more about like Mare coming out of this, you know, haze. So then like, you know, her family, you know, like in other words, those parts of the story, like her, the people around her will become more important to her. And like her job, the murder mystery itself will resolve, I assume. So I assume it'll resolve, but that in tandem that we're going to, that her focus of her life is going to be more of that. And I hope that's the direction they go in. Oh, so we skipped past a, a you know, we, we're talking about all these like kind of uh, character beats, which is good. We're talking about all these other side things, but we kind of skipped the, the, the big plot uh, reveals here. So she gets together. Yes, with we haven't talked about the mystery at all. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Which, uh, let's, uh, and that's going to actually tie in very tightly. The last thing on my list is talking about the last scene, which we're going to get to, but let's go back and kind of get into the meat of the mystery. So she goes to Zabel's house. They start to um, his his mother's house, I should say, <clears throat> and then they mm. uh, do the uh, uh, you know they start to break down things. He asks her out. <laughs> that whole thing plays mm-hmm. out, which is very charming. But then uh, beyond that, we have the and, situation. and what sets that all into motion, right? Is that another girl has gone missing? Yes, so, exactly. Yep, exactly. So now we have another yes, girl. And now gone missing. they're wondering if it's a pattern. Yeah. We see the abduction, right? So we see uh, mm-hmm. the, the abduction of the girl. So um, obviously, someone is like. You know, um, soliciting these girls, taking them off the streets. We, we go back and see Aaron's uh, friends um, home. They question her again, and now yes. she tell, she gives more information. Right, so it is uh, that turns out she also has one of these back page or whatever their version of back page. side door, yeah, uh, or side, side door, door. <laughs> something, something weird like that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the, their version of back the back page, which is side door. <laughs> very very creative with naming. But uh, <laughs> so they're uh, with uh, this, um, you know, solicitation there. Right. So yeah. uh, so it turns out she does have a listing. But and, Jess says that yeah. she never actually did anything with that listing. Right. It's not. But I mean, now they're going to like log in and see if there was any real communication. Because maybe it could yes. be just like cyber stalking could have been right. It's possible. Right? Um, so it, it, curious to see how that uh, plays out. But yeah, tell me or your theories about it. Well, I feel like they are laying the groundwork for especially with the previews for next yeah. week. 
of just knowing a lot more than she's letting yes. on. Uh, and here already, like she's already come forward with the one reveal previously that she knows that Dylan is not DJ's father and she believes it's Frank Sheehan. Um, and so it seems strange to me that you would be doling out all of the information <laughs> in pieces that you know about your poor friend who has been murdered. I mean, why not just give it all up front right. in an effort to figure out what happened to this poor girl? So it seems like she has reasons for, you know, being more secretive, right? Because until she's directly asked about this side door thing, which, you know, seems to me that that would be a very likely suspect for whoever's done this to her if there's somebody involved on that in that aspect of her life she doesn't say anything um a couple of interesting things with that visit is that mara pretends to you know she's theoretically working this case with zabel yep. even though she's not supposed to be working the case at all but then she pretends she forgot her phone yep. right to go mm -hmm. back and ask about the journal mm -hmm. so she's trying to keep a little piece of this um away from zabel right. for and I'm not sure what her motivation. I, I was is. about. To, I was going to ask you the same thing. What your theory on that was? Because I'm confused by it too. Like, like you said, she seems to have like he has seemed to have won her over. Maybe she just has this. You know, she just innately has some uh, trust issues. Uh, because yeah, I was very surprised. Like, why would she keep this from him? I didn't understand. So yeah. Yeah, she seems like a person who would care about solving the case more above all. Yeah. And not into having the glory, right? So, so I don't think that's it. Uh, so. Not sure what's going on with that, but anyway, she uh, she tells her where she believes Aaron keeps these journals, yep. and then as they're pulling out of the parking lot, you see her kind of looking from the window and watching them. And it was an interesting shot. I'm not sure if we're supposed to be led, you know, or if they're trying to lead us to believe that there's even more here that Justice not saying, or it was just cinematic. Right, right. <laughs> um, so there's that, and then when she goes to look for the journals there are no journals there so that's the first question right yep. is if that's where she used to keep them what what happened to them yep. uh and what she does find among among a few things a few items there is that locket right, right. that has a date mm -hmm. i'm not sure what exactly the date was maybe may 29th 2017 but i'm pretty sure that's it was exactly may 2017 that was it yep that was exactly. so and the only thing that i could coordinate that date with and I'm not sure if this is connected at all. This is complete speculation is maybe that's around Drew's birthday because um, he's supposed to be about four years old, but I thought he was already four years old. So I don't know about that. Do you have any ideas about that date? Yeah, I don't know. And honestly, I don't even know if, um, you know, what, what time frame is supposed to be taking place. And I assume it's taking place when they shot it, which would be 2019, 2020, right? So now we're talking about somebody who would be two and a half, three years old. So I don't even know if there's anyone in the show. Oh, I was doing it from today's date. Right. Interesting. Which, okay. which honestly it could be, mm -hmm. right? I don't know what the time frame, but I assume it's. Or rather from 2021. I know it's supposed to be January, right. but yeah, right. I thought it was 2021. So, so that's kind of a mystery. And I guess that locket doesn't necessarily have to have uh, belonged to Aaron. I'm not sure if it's even a locket or just an engraved heart, but um. So that's, you know, maybe it's Aaron's, maybe, maybe it belonged to her mom, right? right. We don't know right. what's happened to her mom here. Who knows? It's, it's a big clue though, right? Because I think that you can pretty easily, um, she can go and like try to find uh, birth records for that date and start doing some research, right? right? So I think there's going to be a pretty big clue going forward. Uh, but I, I detoured, I guess, from the Jess thing, but right in the previews, you see her and Dylan in a car together, or maybe she's outside the car and Dylan's inside the car. And he's yelling at her that, you know, they're 
they're stuck together on this thing, right? right. I, I don't remember that the exact phrase was. So, you know, there's something more going on right. there that we're going to learn about. It seems like it's going to be really interesting. Yeah. So I think this is going to accelerate the, uh, I mean, and, and this is like, you know, we're right past the midpoint now of the season, right? So I think now the plot is definitely right. going to accelerate, which is, uh, which is fine by me, especially considering that they've kind of lightened the tone. So I, I you know, I, I kind of look forward is my you know, kind of a wrapping up statement, although we still have one more scene to talk about, but I, I'm looking forward to that kind of more of that as the plot itself accelerates, right? As more clues come in and, you know, mm -hmm. we start to eliminate people from, from the, you know, from the, the uh, list of suspects. But do yeah. you think, uh, what we know so far, do you think that what happened with Aaron is related to Katie Bailey and this other girl who just went missing uh, in, in last night's episode? Do you think that those are all part of the same scheme or do you think that Aaron's thing is unrelated? I no longer think it's unrelated, which was my original theory. I'm just thinking now that you know, it could have been something as simple as she was a failed abduction, right? Like we saw today. But it's very hard mm -hmm. for me to imagine these girls are being abducted and held. And this girl who's also on this uh, website from the same area, Predator could, you know, potentially have been messaging all these girls at the same time. And um, it just seems like such a big coincidence, right? And, and maybe it was an accidental death of some kind. But I still think that like that investigation is going to reveal who the killer is, whether it is the same person who's doing the abductions mm -hmm. or it's tangentially associated, like somebody who was assisting them or someone who knew more about this. So I think that could be the, um, uh, the direction it's going in, but I can't imagine it's not related at this point. See, and I'm going more towards the unrelated Ooh. idea. <laughs> I don't know. It kind of seems to me that, well, I'm taking at face value, just a statement that she didn't ever do anything with the side door account, oh. which, you know, I've been wrong before when I've taken these statements at face value, especially from Jess. So, <laughs> um, but I, I'm just wondering if they, given all, I, I'm thinking about it almost from a writing viewpoint. Uh, they've introduced so many characters and so many different themes and plot lines. I, I feel like maybe you're going to have to have them be unrelated to show the significance of all the things that they've introduced. It can only work out that. All of the, I mean, it, it could also be a ton of red herrings. Right. That's also possible. Right. Right. Um, yeah. You know, people love red herrings, right? right? So I guess either there's going to be a lot of red herrings here in my mind, or these are two unrelated things. So there's kind of two sets of evildoers. Potentially. That's why it seems unlikely that, I, I mean, it, like I said, it could be that the person we saw, and I guess we're going to cut to that. To the, well, we saw him earlier also when the, the actual abduction of that other girl. But now we go to the final scene. But um, that person. Wait, wait, yeah. before you get yeah. to the final scene, I have one more thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's going on with Lori's son staring at the TV like that? He seems like he knows something too, right? Oh, yeah. Good call. I, I, I didn't even note that at all, but you're absolutely right. He knows something more. So there's definitely something. It seems like the, the high school kids know something, right? And mm -hmm. I think we see it with Dylan yeah. and we see Dylan, you know, we see, well, we don't see it in this episode, but we see it in the upcoming. So minor spoilers here. If you, if anybody's listening to this and didn't watch the coming up next episode, high school kids know more about it. So maybe even Siobhan knows something about what's happening. here. I feel like she's got to, because why are we spending so much time right. with her? Right. <laughs> and I will say also, um, and this is like a, a Monday morning quarterbacking thing, but uh, in the episode where Zabel is questioning her as you know she was the last person that they know saw Aaron right she says she offered her a ride home uh, I think two things one I think her story 
varied a little bit from what she had told her mom happened, but not, I didn't feel it was in a significant way, uh, but it was not quite the same as what she had told Mayor happened. Uh, and then also she said something about like, well, I'm wondering what if things had been different? What if I had insisted that she get a ride home with me? Uh, something like that. And at the time, it seemed very stilted to me the way she said it, but I hadn't been watching the show for long enough to know whether it was the actress's manner or purposefully stilted. Uh, so now having seen the actress a little bit more, it seemed to me it was a little bit like we were supposed to think the character was not quite being genuine in that moment, saying she was wondering what if she had forced Aaron to take a ride home with her and maybe she would still be alive. Um, again, this could be a complete red herring trivia. I'm just trying to, you know, after having fallen flat on several other threads of speculation, I'm just trying to cover everything right now. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. But I, I feel like she must know something. Otherwise, this, again, just from a writing perspective, this is a strange amount of time to spend with her. But we do have that Homeland season where Brody's daughter was the central storyline. <laughs> oh, I was going to go back to that. I don't think that would be the case here. I forgot to bring that up when I was, touching, when I was theorizing earlier. But I don't think that's the case here because in that specific Homeland season, you had a situation where they honestly, internally, they like, how do we extend the storylines? They were just trying to spin plates there. Yeah, you know? fair enough. It wasn't the first season. Yeah, this show. is, you yeah. know, obviously this is the first season and it's a, you know, it's a mini series, basically yeah. not even a full season. I just think there's got to be more that's going to come out one way or the other. But yeah, I believe so. I, I think so too. I mean, you, even with seven episodes, you have a limited amount of time to tell all these stories. And it's like, what is that? You know, where, how does this tie? How does she tie into it? And now we get to the last scene. And uh, so there's, uh, first of all, very prominent, prominently show us yes. the name of the tavern, Benny's Tavern. Yeah. So I am pretty sure that pretty soon, we will be at Benny's Tavern, probably not there looking for clues, but, you know, just randomly, whatever. Mm -hmm. Hey, let's go hang out at Benny's Tavern. Because as soon as we see Did that- Did it look like yeah. an operational tavern to you? I wasn't sure if it was a place that had been closed down or it really is like a functioning bar restaurant. I think it's going to, I, I, I believe, this is a guess on my part, that I think it is going to be operational and that's going to be the, okay. the way that they introduce it later in, in the show, I think. But you could be right also that mm -hmm. that could be, you know, now that you're saying that, I hadn't considered it. But you might be absolutely correct that it could be like, you know, an abandoned, uh, you know, uh, location. Right. And it would mm -hmm. be. Uh, and that's kind For of. For some reason, it gave me that impression. But then again, it was the middle of the night. Right. So who knows? Exactly. Right. But interestingly, so we see, you know, the new girl whose name I can't remember being uh, uh, escorted into this place, you know, against her will, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then uh, thrown in the back room. And then we find out that um, the original missing girl is still alive. So this person's not killing right. them. He's not torturing right. them. He's just capturing them. For what purpose? Do you have any guesses? Uh, well, she's been there for a year, yeah. which well, maybe not in this precise location, but she's been missing for a year, right? right? Which seems so strange to me because if it were for the purposes of, say, uh, sex trafficking or something, right. I don't think you'd be keeping this girl for a year. You would have found somebody to... Right. She would be uh, somewhere else, right? You wouldn't want to keep her around. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that doesn't quite make sense. Uh, I don't know what, what would be going on. Do you have any ideas? I just came up with a theory right now off the top of my head, which might actually pan out because I think about all these religious um, uh, symbolism or, or motifs in the show so far, all these people that have this kind of subtext of uh, religiousness. I wonder if there's someone who's like, you know, picking up these girls who are uh, uh, prostituting themselves so that they can be saved in some way, right? Maybe, but I mean, for a year? Yeah. That, that's yeah. 
I don't know. You got to get a better plan than that. I feel exactly. <laughs> but maybe, maybe she has some role that she's playing in connection with other girls that are being brought in. I don't know. Maybe someone is trying to start a cult. I, I'm really just throwing out ideas here. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know either. Like you said, it's like if they were exactly what you thought. You know, if they're going to be like murdered in some way, she probably would have been murdered already. And if she was like sex trafficked you know, whoever this person is, they're not going to have them, her uh, sex traffic 10 miles from her house. She's going to have to like ship her somewhere far away so that, you know, people aren't going to uh, recognize her or she'll be you know, trapped geographically. She can't like just wander back home. So why keep her there like, I mean, for a whole year? It <laughs> is year. possible though, right? There's the, um, it was it Elizabeth Smart that was kidnapped for just years and years and years. Uh, so, I mean, I guess it does happen that sometimes these young girls get kidnapped and they, are just held in a certain location. I think yeah. though, Elizabeth Smart, and there was another example as well, and, and those girls' names are escaping my mind, but um, th those are residences usually right. where they kind of, you know, yeah. not a commercial establishment. So that's kind of strange though, but I guess it does happen that right. you live with your kidnapper for a prolonged period of time. And I think there's an, a, you know, a Stockholm syndrome type of thing that goes on for some of these girls. So, I guess we can't rule that out. It just seems strange that that would be happening in a tavern if she's been there this whole right, time. Right. It would be a strange place to also be. Yeah, it almost seems like the type of thing, once again, that you would, you know, lock them up in this location, this very, you know, unseemly location, uh, temporarily, like as you're, you know, temporarily, right? exactly. And like, so that, yeah. that would make sense if, you know, but now that we see a girl who's been missing for a year and who she's like saying, don't bother screaming, no one can hear you, which means that she's been there long enough to right. know that, right? So, yeah. uh, it, you know, to have tried, you know, you probably don't try one time. You probably try a lot <laughs> before you really give up. Yeah. Right. So that seems, uh, um, that she's been there at least for some amount of time. So once again, it's like, if this is just kind of like a, a stopover point of some kind, then why has this girl been there for a year? Right. So this is all right. very, so that's it. Yeah. I think we covered the whole uh, story and, uh, any last things or general impressions? No, I mean, I really enjoyed this episode and I think, you know, We've gotten to know the characters a lot more. I continue to be a big fan of Mare and I'm rooting for her. <laughs> I love, by the way, we didn't touch on that uh, quick scene of her with the therapist. Yes. Oh, yeah. That re yeah, which was very entertaining. That's part of the comedy there. Yes. I being super defensive mm -hmm. and the therapist is just kind of like letting her go on and on. Yeah, exactly. Just letting her talk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I thought that was enjoyable. Um so, yeah, I just, I think, you know, definitely certain characters here I'm getting very attached to, and I want to see good things happen for them. So I'm excited to see what develops next. How about you? Same. I mean, uh, yeah, the only thing that we touched on was the, yeah, the, psych the psychiatrist that was very funny, kind of like letting her just talk. And you see how nervous she is being like, oh, I've tried this before. You know, oh, you know, I'm going to be very, you know, mm -hmm. she's like talking way too much. She's like, you know. and so how does this work? <laughs> you write a good report and I go back to work, right? So it's like, she's very, very, um, you know. Overeager in a way. But uh, yeah, that was part of the humor, right? And that came very early in the episode, setting yeah. the tone. So yeah, I'm very curious. I'm very interested now. I like the episode a lot. I like the character development. I'm starting, like you said, I'm getting attached to all the characters, even like Dylan and stuff. Like, like you know, seeing him, like a little bit of humanity there when he soothed his adoptive son at this point. But here's the yeah. question with Dylan. His parents seem lovely. Yes. So how did he end up yeah, being he's, such he's a He's a real jerk. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't know. And I think, um, you know, we also didn't mention the the moment where you're led to believe he might suffocate that poor child. Yes. Yeah, that was a completely <laughs> un unnecessarily gratuitous point. I was just like, do we really need this? Really? Come on. Okay. 
but I did like the way he paid, paid off after he like doesn't smother the child. <laughs> but, I mean, but to yeah, your, I don't. But to your point, yeah, go ahead. directly, I was going to say directly to your point, uh, is the, the fact that not only do we see this, it's not like these the parents are just, it's an affectation that they're doing of being nice, that it's the fact that, um, uh, that you know, it, we even hear that Aaron uh, said to her friend, the reason she, you know, even though she knew it wasn't Dylan's uh, kid, the reason she kind of wanted to continue this um, illusion was because uh, she's like, oh, but I love how great uh, the family you know, was to, to Dylan, right? So she wanted them, basically wanted the, the, the child to be part of that family, right? Yeah, I mean, like with Brianna, right, his, his girlfriend, you saw at least one of the parents was a bit off the rails. The, the mom seemed lovely, but the dad was clearly you know, had some issues, right. some anger management issues. <laughs> right. So you understand how she ended up like that. But with him, it just, it doesn't quite add up. And I also, uh, complete total tangent that has no significance for the show. But I question how, if uh, he is now established to not be the father of the child, why that child is still staying with them and not being put in the foster care system. But I mean, they, they love him and they seem like great parents to him. So, uh, you know... <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, a question in my uh, lawyerly mind, I guess, about how this this child now has no biological right. uh, parents that are available to take care of him, right? And they're just kind of like, well, you'll just chill out here in the hospital yeah. in the crib, I guess. Right. But, and then I was thinking about that too, is like, you know, how does that work? Like you said, same thing. I was thinking like, so what claim do they have on this child if they do decide to continue to right. uh, you know parent I mean them. they could certainly apply yeah. to be his foster parents right. but right. you know they haven't even made a passing comment about that right. and then also complete tangent but we saw right in that little clip of a video of Erin she's saying that it was just DJ's first birthday right am I remembering that correctly I think so yes do you know what I'm talking about when um Mare is laying in bed and she's on her laptop and she's looking at these videos right. and she's talking about, I, my recollection is that she said it was DJ's first birthday and it's challenging to be a mom. Right. And that's when uh, she has a flashback. Like right. doing well. right. um, and again, complete tangent of no significance, but this is the least mobile one-year-old I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, right. Like they're usually, even if they're not walking at that age, they're crawling and like trying to get someplace that is not where you are essentially. Like, <laughs> well, maybe that's why he was crying in the crib. He was trying to bust out of there. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but yeah, these are just complete uh, asides of just things that I wonder about when I watch the show. <laughs> <laughs> more more thoughts from Sonia. <laughs> yeah, random thoughts. <laughs> Okay, so uh, to wrap up, did you uh, have a recommendation? Oh, uh, I keep forgetting that I'm supposed to have one, but I had one from, from last week that I didn't give you because I decided to talk about Run All Night instead. Um, complete tone shift from everything we've been discussing, but this show, I think, is coming back for a season two in July. Uh, so I wanted to mention it. Um, I think it was on Netflix. It's Never Have I Ever uh, from Mindy Kaling. Have you heard of I've it? I've heard of it, yes. It's so good. Um, you know what? Maybe it's slightly, uh, maybe I can form a connection to this show because it's about a girl who's in high school. Um, <laughs> and this has a lot of high school students in it. But uh, it's about, you know, it's very light, very funny about a girl who's in high school and just, you know, her life with her friends and her crushes and um, there is a, a more, for some reason, everything I talk about with you seems to have 
an underlying theme of grief and how you deal with it because this girl has lost her father oh, no. uh, right after she started high school her father unexpectedly drops dead and so there is also a theme of how she and her mom are dealing with the loss of the father um and her relationship with her father and how she misses him but um generally speaking though it's just a really light entertaining look at the high school years i think everyone will find something to identify with about her and her friends and her crushes and her relationships. Um, it's really well done. And I don't know if you and I have discussed Mindy Kaling before, but in my eyes, Mindy Kaling can do no wrong. I think she's a genius. She's brilliant. She's amazing. So, um, so yeah, that's my recommendation. Yeah. I've heard very good things about that and I've never actually seen it in the, but yeah, yeah it's very quick. It's, you know, just the, like sitcom length mm -hmm. episodes. Um, and it's one of those things where if I would put it on, uh, Joel would roll his eyes, but he would get sucked into it and be entertained by it while I was watching. Yeah, so maybe I think there's to, something for everybody. Yeah, maybe something to watch with Kim, actually. That might be a good option. Yeah, it's really fun. Okay, and for my recommendations, I did a whole recommendation episode this weekend. It was like only 10 minutes long, but it's nothing but recommendations for Mother's Day. So I'm going to recommend my other episode that I dropped this weekend. It's the previous. Okay, good one. <laughs> it's the previous uh, recommendation to this, and it ties in with I couldn't come up with anything. I couldn't come up with a structure for my recommendations, so uh, it's uh, basically recommendations around the cast of Mayor of Easttown. So if you're watching Mayor of Easttown, which makes sense, you're watching ah, this. very interesting. So there's like other recommendations of other stuff that the cast has done, including, by the way, I'll just tease it here that uh, on yeah. on HBO Max that Guy Pierce and um, uh, Kate Winslet are lovers in. Mildred Pierce, which is available on HBO Max. That's an old, um, Interesting. An old miniseries they did together. Um, and uh, they have a lot more screen time together there than they do here. But uh, it is, uh, you know, if you want to see them uh, acting together, actually a lot more uh, there, at least so far, uh, versus here. And uh, it's, anyway, mm -hmm. it's, uh, <laughs> but I call it out there, by the way, there's uh, Evan Rachel Wood is also one of the stars and she's the daughter of Kate Winslet. And they have a very, very problematic relationship in there. So I was like saying, even though this is a Mother's Day episode, not a good movie to watch with your kids on Mother's Day. <laughs> a very toxic relationship between these, these two women, but um, but a good recommendation. Cool. All right. That wraps it up. I'm very, very much looking forward to what comes next. For sure. Yeah, the previews look great for next week, too. So thanks a lot. Talk to you soon. Great. Talk to you later. Bye.